Abe here, and I wanted to let you know that if you're able, you can upgrade your small beans skill over at patreon.com slash small beans. Here's why you should do that. If you pledge five measly beans a month, you get access to about half our podcasts that you don't get if you're just listening to the free feed. Shows include Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, Like Razor Blade Pie, and bonus episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Not to mention bonus content, including info and updates on the movie we're making, Papa Bear. Hey, where's all the reasons to not subscribe to Patreon? I can't find them. Anyway, back to the show. I just drank a pot of tea, um, which means... With you, I was like, five-hour energies all mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's the equivalent. People forget this about tea. Tea is fucking... Ooh, I should do Kratom right now. Uh, Tea is fucking caffeinated. And that's all to say I am am feeling it. And I'm also hopefully won't have to pee while we do this episode because (laughs) I am filled with a tea. I love it. Well, you could say we're coming in hot because we're talking about, oh, wait, it's loose horse shit. Yeah, good try. Can't get on the rails that fast. I have a question. It wouldn't be the show. It would be the wrong show. Yeah. Unless you want to catch up. Um, You playing Baldur's Gate yet or what? Oh, man. I've been hearing you reference it. And I was dreading this conversation. So I said, instead of, I guess instead of catching up, let's get into it. I recently, because, uh, and by recently, I mean this year, eight months ago, played through an exhaustive 100% uh, Divinity 2 campaign. Did you play Divinity 2? No, but you did mention this to me. And so you're just not ready, right? I, well, I also, in my time at IGN, met all Valerian people and worked on the preview material for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, like, I was spearheading all of IGN's coverage of that oh, at the time. Wow. So I knew, I know all the story beats and... You're sick of it. You're if, sick of Baldur's Gate. I, well, and, but I want to say I'm sick of a specific thing, which I guess I could change the gauge, the difficulty gauge, but I'm a normal guy. I don't like setting games on easy. I appreciate it that that exists now as an accessibility thing, but I do like to beat games on normal or higher. And Divinity 2 had this too. Tell me if you're experiencing this. Larian doesn't fuck around with the encounters. Like they're, so, like you could, these fights take 45 minutes to an hour and a half to play out. I am. Um, and you can lose them five times. And so, like, it's just, it's a daunting amount of game for me. I have played, I just checked last night on Steam, 90 hours of Baldur's Gate. About half wow. of that is actual progression. Um, That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. No, no. I love it because it's not, I'm not where you are at. I've never really played a game like this. I played like RPGs, Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like and that. And I was obsessed with Divinity too. I'm just not ready to do that again right now. And no, that's <laughs> a, I think that's a perfectly understandable answer. Um, but you do, I'm sure you recognize it's game of the year. Like it's, I think even non-RPG players are going to get into it. Tears of the Kingdom came out this now, year. I literally... So, uh, all right. So, I'll tell you, this is a Cody story. Like, for example, everybody I've said, like, you should check out Baldur's Gate has ended up being like, I can't do anything but play Baldur's Gate now. Everybody, Hana is playing it right now. Cody, I was like, you should check out Baldur's Gate. And then he's like, yeah, I will. And then I got a text from him, just said, game of the year. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. But has he played The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? And he loved it. He loved Tears of the Kingdom. He told me that too. I mean, 
That's why well, I don't like, want to spoil my other podcast, but yeah, that's why Tears of the Kingdom to me is a game of the decade. Like I, it's, it feels like an all time. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But like, I, and it's not fair. It's not fair to that game because I haven't played that game, but it's not fair to Baldur's Gate to compare. They're totally separate. They're genres, totally separate so you don't genres. even have to do that except the fact that I have to on one. Of I think so I, will. I feel bad for Starfield because I'm not a big fan of what they do. But it's not like obviously it's good, and they're like, "Look, we have like kind of an RPG." And Baldur's Gate's like, "Do you though? Do you?" Um, and well, they just about like to do wiped them out. Our Starfield episode, so I literally actually don't want to spoil my yeah, thoughts on don't. Starfield because I'm a huge Bethesda guy, and they're they're fairly interesting material for another podcast. But on the Baldur's Gate front, man, I just got to say. I had the totally opposite experience. I played for four hours and lost an hour long fight, and I was like, "I can't." do that again i don't have well, you any gotta to scum do that save. fight again you gotta save like yeah. beat by beat it is all, all i say is like it took me a couple oh, hours to, like, i don't for save for hours at a time i don't save for many hours which is part of my problem with games like that yeah it's a scum save game i for forget sure. i always forget yeah um like you save before any roll i try to play right. it as it lies as much as i can but like certain battles i'm like no i can't lose this battle I, obviously would admit, or but like i said I'd have a totally different experience if I just set the difficulty down one notch. Here's my thing. They make it so you have to be a completionist. I like, and if I do real D&D no, campaigns. You do, no, they don't. At least, uh, so my experience, what's been cool about it is everybody's I'll been finish different. finish my thought after. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't agree with that. Go on. But you don't know the end of okay anyway yeah no. i was it wasn't complete yet uh or maybe it's not true in Baldur's gate three i don't know because i haven't done it yeah <clears throat> but i'm saying in divinity two this is absolutely true i i and everyone in the community talked about it online hopefully they've adjusted for it but in divinity two there's only roughly almost just barely the amount of XP available on the board that you need to be of a commensurate level to beat the boss of the next area, right? right? So there's this thing in, in Divinity 2, you sail on a ship between different acts and they're like, they don't tell you this, but if you don't level up enough between acts and you get to like act two and you're only level seven, no, you need to be level 13. Now, literally you can't go backwards and you can't kill anything in this area. Right. You have to start your campaign over. So and people hated that. And the other thing about it, if you don't scum save, if you scum save, right. you're fine. But sorry, I will finish the thought. I swear. So there was this thing where people would have to search all the time and help each other as I had. Right. Where they're like, I'm level seven. I can't do any, I can't beat any level eight thing. I've tried each combat 10 times. It's like an Elden Ring problem. You're like, right. how do I advance? And they're like, there's this obscure tiny mission that you have to hit, or you mathematically can't get enough to reach level eight, do this mission. And it's like, why did you make it so that in each board, essentially, you have to do 90 to 100% of the actions in order to be a high enough level to advance. They do not do that in this game. Great. Great. They, good. They, well, first of all, <laughs> they do warn you. If you're going into a new area, they will say, you're not technically leveled enough. That said, I've ignored every warning. Oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, they'll tell you. They'll say, you are they under leveled. Would. Don't keep going. There's more to do here. Um, that said, I ignored most of those. I've been under leveled the whole game. And in fact, I didn't even realize and you win all your fights. Yeah. I, like well, maybe I suck I at it, through, but I lose so much. I got through act two, not realizing that I could have another companion. I only had three companions or two companions. There was only, and you can have three. 
Um, right. And so I like went back to act one and grabbed a new companion. Um, so I guess I, what I'm asking I, is, so am I bad at strategy, which is, no, can be no, true. No. Like I, what is about that? I think this specific game just made it so that there are so many options. Like literally there are fights where I've talked to someone and they'll be like, oh, I spent hours fighting them. I'm like, really? I actually, uh, through a dialogue tree, convinced them to kill themselves. Like there are so many options now that like, that's I, I part of me is like I'm a barbarian and I'm like I can't imagine going through this game if you don't have a lot of hit points because that's going to be a nightmare that said there are many ways to get through battles that don't involve fighting more or there's yeah, ways where it's I like mean you that's classic D&D yeah you can sneak by you I can, can always sneak and, and persuade but I like strategic combat I want to do fights and I'm saying I had the same problem at least at start and that's why I fell off right as I'm like I just did this with divinity too and I can't which was that I was wandering all around anywhere I could go think to go there were like five things I could do and they were all too high a level for me right and I was like I don't know what to do next that's adequate like appropriate for my level so i tried one of them i fought him for 40 minutes died started over fought him for four minutes died start over and i'm like i'm done with this game that's fair <laughs> it um it's definitely hard uh and if you're not okay enjo- well, i just wanted if you're not I'm like is it hard at all the combat oh, it, if if you're not that's the thing is that's why it doesn't feel like it is for everyone so actually i do retract game of the year because i think game of the year should be accessible to everybody like dark souls is a game that like you know adam famously likes that i'm like i don't think that's fun for everybody right um to play a boss over and over again but it can click i think for everybody at a certain point and that's why you have those different levels of difficulties but like Baldur's gate is probably one of the most naturally expansive games i've played like open to the point that if you talk to like a dog you might find a complete adventure that like you're like man they wrote oh, yeah. that whole yeah, thing yeah that's in. the same as divinity yeah, yeah. and it's like that because you have um you never if you can talk to animals man divinity had something Baldur's doesn't do because i bet it was a pain in the ass every single living thing that died produced a ghost that you could speak to if you had speak to death. You can speak to death a lot this, of, but yes, but a lot of them say this the, corpse this has corpse nothing, has to, nothing say. to say. Yeah. In divinity, every single thing also has a ghost That's awesome. that has shit that it I might have to about, play yeah. divinity after this. Cause that sounds great. I just, I, with me, it's like, mm, this is such a, such a rich RPG and it's so fun. And everybody I talk to when I say like, what are you doing? It's a different, completely different thing than what everybody else is doing. And including myself where I'll look yeah. over at Hana and be like, I don't know who those people are or where you are. And I'm in act three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, that's quite an accomplishment. Like it is. Larian's great. And they're good people. Um, that's good. Speaking of talking about a completely this has different been thing. One upsmanship. Well, I don't like that it's, yeah, I don't like when loose horse shit is very specifically on topic of a topic that we would cover anyway. Um, It's supposed to be horse shit, but it's not. So let's just stay on the rails. And this is Star Trek The Next Futurama. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Futurama, an epic team up between gamefully unemployed and small beans. For access to the entire series, find us on Patreon. And now your hosts, Mike and Dave. So the rails are laser rails, you know, through a prism or whatever. What? Uh, but, we, but we're but we going to stay on premise, on <laughs> format. Uh, this is on the Small Beans Network. So I'm your host, Michael Swaim. Oh, yeah. I'm David Bell. 
Yeah. And we compare Star Trek episodes with episodes of Futurama. We're up to 57, 57, which Woo. is um, season five premiere because we go Futurama first and then you'll see what Star Trek slots in. So uh, as host, it's my job to tell you about the Futurama episode we'll be covering in case you don't remember the detailed beats that we'll be comparing and contrasting later. So this is season five, episode one, according to the Hulu run order. Which is crazy because even the seasonal lines don't match. Like on Wikipedia, this is season four. What? Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, what happened? Yeah. And we were, we were speculating that they were canceled, but there's no indication that they're back by this episode. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Oh, I also talked a lot of big talk last episode about thinking that the movies came next. I'm wrong. There's one more season than the movies. So this oh, is yeah. not Bender's big score. It is instead Crimes of the Hot. Crimes of the Hot. Look in your hot. Anyway. Mm. Uh, everyone's watching news as almost every Futurama episode starts. Uh, and there's a giant heat wave happening in new New York. They try to cool down by going in the pool, but, uh, what it does is not so hot. Oh, Nibbler fucks it up. Nibbler drinks all the pool water, so they can't go in the pool. Um, you know, we get a heat, there's a heat wave all over the city, a montage of how it's impacting people. We save jokes for later in this house. So, Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and then Professor goes, you know why this is happening, right? And he shows us a newsreel, which he often does. Uh, and we see an old school style newsreel about how, uh, I think it's a standout one people probably remember. DiMaggio plays the voice of some greenhouse gases who are a biker gang who yeah. beat up Mr. Sunbeam. And the corpses pile up and that's it basically just explains, you know, global warming, um, which doesn't exist. This is just a fanciful cartoon. Please no letters. Uh, and he's, it turns out that earth nowadays handles global warming by just dropping a giant ice cube in the ocean. And you say, wait, that wouldn't work because the ice is still in the ocean. It's melting. That's the problem. You idiot. It's space ice. So they're bringing new ice in from outside the system. That's allowed. Uh, so the ice comes from comets. So guess who the professor sends to mine some ice on a comet? The people about whom the show is. Uh, so Bender, Leela, and Fry, the trifecta, fly up to a comet and try to use a giant mining drill to mine ice, but it turns out that comet is devoid of ice. Instead of trying any other comet in the universe because they have a <laughs> spaceship, somehow the show, I can't get over this, dude. It's crazy. The show acts like that's that and the world is doomed. Why? Uh, just accept it. So anyway, there's no more ice, I guess, in the universe, I guess. Um, so also, they, just point this uh-huh. out. You could leave the planet that's dying. Just point that out. You all have spaceships. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but anyway, and you all have spaceships to an absurd degree. Like yeah. they fly to the moon in three seconds. You yeah. know? Anyway, uh, it's so easy to get to space. Uh, Case in point, Al Gore's head comes from space on a series of (laughs) rockets and holds a conference in Kyoto that all the world's best scientists are invited to, including a dark wizard scientist, but no jokes, not allowed to say jokes. I'm just saying that he's there. And, uh... They try to figure out what to do about global warming. The professor's arch nemesis, Wernstrom, Newman, uh, ultra micro volcanoconiosis, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Wernstrom says... We'll put a giant mirror in the sky, which also should theoretically could work, but it just happens to not because it tips over and becomes a magnifying glass, burning a huge swath of Earth. And they go, well, that idea didn't work. Who else? Who else? Professor? 
and Professor says a tearful, um, what do you call it, confession that it's all his fault. Now, to some degree, I suppose, hey, degree, heat pun, um, because surely he's not responsible for like the 20th century's <laughs> pollution. And But anyway, yeah. he was the straw that broke the camel's back because he invented like the basic robot design that all modern robots are based on, including Bender. Basically he, he invented the core mechanic that they drink alcohol for fuel and belch fire and smoke. Right. So we flash back and find out that when he was inventing it, he could have worked harder and invented something with clean fuel, but it would have made less profit and it would have been more work. And he was fucking his boss, whose mom, the evil billionaire. So, you know, he fell for his wiles, as he often does. And she said, make the shitty ones. And he said, OK, well, we'll fudge the numbers and the environment can, quote, take one more hit for the team. No, it can't. The world's going to be destroyed. So in order to prevent this, they decide they have to destroy all robots on Earth. Which I, I guess they would, it would stay just on the verge of apocalypse. <laughs> like we would just stop the bus right at the edge of the cliff. But that's the plan. Um, president of Earth, Nixon, which I like that it's consistent that as a joke, Nixon's head becomes president. And then he is for the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, president of Earth. So he creates a trap which is like a robot party on a, a Galapagos Island. And he tricks all the robots into going there. So they can be destroyed with like an electromagnetic pulse or a missile or some shit. Um, but it only works if they destroy all of them and it won't work because Bender is not there and Bender's just not there because he has found in his B plot, a special affinity for turtles. He saw some turtles who were displaced by global warming on the news and that turtle was flipped onto its back and had difficulty writing itself. And it turns out that's a weakness Bender has, which we didn't know before, is that if he's tipped on his back because he's cylindrical, it's difficult for him to write himself. Not impossible, we find out, but difficult. <laughs> um, so he is busy fucking around with his turtle friend, Shelly. And when he gets to the party, he knows... Uh, what's going on. So he like whispers to Shelly, I guess it's sad that all the robots will be destroyed, but it's okay. Cause you, cause the turtles will live, right. but a robot who's a microphone <laughs> is there and overhears him and goes, this robot says they're going to kill us all. So all hell, like a purge breaks out on robot Island. Um, I forget one guy just has the best, like in the rabble. He's like, you're killing us, man. <laughs> like there's just really good, you know, robot rabble all over the Island. Um, and then the professor calms him down by saying, wait, I have an idea how we can save the day with science. You all vent fire. So if you all belch or fart in one direction and you're all gathered in one place, say an Island, it's like a giant afterburner on the planet. And it just so happens that the Galapagos Island is pointed right at the sun right now. Like it's noon right now. Another like, man, the science is like beyond stretched in oh, this yeah. episode. Neil deGrasse Tyson had strokes watching this. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you'll, we will shift the planet slightly further away from the sun such that it's cool enough that it perfectly recreates the conditions of not having global warming and will be saved. But it takes the force of every single robot and they're all doing it. And they go, why isn't one robot doing it? And we pan over and we realize, dun, 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 the B plot and A plot have intersected because Bender has by chance fallen onto his back and he's having difficulty <laughs> writing himself. <laughs> um, 
you would think he could just belch because his mouth is pointed perpendicularly upwards, but this episode doesn't give a fuck what the plot logic is, like to an insane degree. So uh, even though Bender said that it's true that he can't roll over, uh, he just does now. Like he does roll over and realizes he can and makes a joke about it. That's all. He says, I'm even greater than I thought I was. And then he farts by standing on his head, which means he could have belched. Like it doesn't matter what direction because he doesn't even do it standing upright. Uh, anyway, <laughs> or he could have flexed his prehensile arms and pushed himself up. Fuck, I've revealed my uh, opinion of this episode too early. <laughs> but that's the end. It all works out. And as a final point, I just have to say, doesn't this mean that global warming will rise again and they'll have to do this every so often like the ice cube? So like 10 years from now, the the year will be like, a year and four weeks long. But anyway, they say because we're further from the sun, the earth is, you know, the orbit's bigger. So it's one week longer. And Nixon declares it robot party week and everyone's happy at the end. It's almost like that big ball of garbage one was like the better one about this. Of subject. this. I think I agree. I was going to say because, yeah, Kicking that one also establishes that Fry knows about pollution in this one it's like why does fry act like he doesn't right. know about global warming anyway also, that's that i think it's kind of weird to frame global warming as these poor robots have to suffer to stop global warming you know what i mean it's a weird it's message. such a bad weird analogy that's what i yeah, yeah. it's anyway it's like <laughs> no and if they're cars it's like no we should do something about that it's not oh these poor cars um, if it's a metaphor for cars right yeah. it's not to have a party or like what was your point yeah yeah but we'll talk about that more uh i have to tell you which one it uh linked to and i think people will be surprised because we already did the space the the your warp is causing a problem in space right so people might be scratching their heads and going like well what what is it going to be and uh, We'll talk about this in the next segment, but I think we picked a very good one. Uh, and that is, in, yeah. I am stalling to figure it out, season five, episode 23, I Borg. I Borg! I Borg. Air horn, air horn. What a weird A billion matchup. voices in your mind all blowing a celebratory air horn. Yeah. I mean, it's weird in terms of quality level, but- We'll talk about I think it. TNG fans know that I Borg is one of the top 10 episodes oh, yeah. of the series but and have been waiting for it. So I think, here it I is. Think it, I think if you think about Iborg, it's already clicking in your head, but I'll go through the episode. The crew discover a, uh, a crashed Borg scout ship. Weird that they have scout ships. But I, I guess they... I guess they can have scout. I don't know why they're not allowed but to I, have scout ships. Right. Um, it, everything gets fudged with the Borg because uh, I thought they they dismantled and shut themselves down so they couldn't be blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and there is a bunch of bodies there, including one survivor, survivor a young Borg. Um, they're like, we should just fucking go. They'll be back for, you know, this. Worf is like, step on its head. Um, and Beverly Crusher Worf is like, says, and make it look like an accident right. so they won't chase us. That's how much he fears the Borg. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the Borg, at this point, for people who don't realize, Picard has become a Borg. Uh, and back at this point, he has committed a genocide as a Dude, player. I just watched Family again. Uh, that monologue when he's in the mud. They took I everything stop from them. me. Uh, um, so Crusher is like, hey, uh, no. <laughs> 
that's still a living creature. We have to bring it on board and do the things we normally would do if it was a Romulan or a Ferengi or anybody. We have to try to save this thing. Picard begrudgingly agrees. He's like, all right, but beam it straight to the brig. Uh, bring your equipment there. Uh, and they confine him. And the Borg is this like, just this like bumbling little dildo who like doesn't know what to do. And they fix him up. They give him food. Jordy um, is uh, like, has to give it food. But at the same time, Picard is like, I wonder if there's a way to genocide the Borg through this. Like, and could like, we make him a suicide bomb if they want to recover him? Yeah. Could we like strap him with a bomb and send him back? Which is a hell of a first thing for Picard to think. But he's For Picard yeah, to say. He's like, I wonder if we Dude, can Hitler them real quick. It's so weird to me because there's an episode and maybe the argument is, which I would buy, it's a good argument, that he has a relationship to the Borg that he's never had yeah, with any other idea, enemy. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Because of the Locutus thing. But it is crazy that Picard who has fought in the Stubbs episode, he's like, these microscopic organisms have a right to life. We can't just kill these bacteria. But he's like, kill this motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> argument, yeah, is that Bo Picard felt what it's like to be a Borg and he hated it, right? So, and like, he yeah. thinks there's nothing redeeming and about them, yeah. And spoilers, this episode is about how he's not correct. So they're, they're, I get why they're doing this. Um, and... Uh, and Jordy and Data were like, yeah, we could genocide them. Let's figure that out. And as they're figuring it out, they spend more time with this Borg. Dr. Crusher's bringing him back to health because they figure, you know, bring him back to health and make him uh, become a virus, essentially, that kills the Borg. They're going to blow their minds. And what I mean by that is they are going to give him an unsolvable geometric shape in his mind that he will then send to the collective uh, and like a computer virus, it'll just eradicate the Borg is the idea. Uh, the Borg, which is called Third of Five, um, if you know Borg names, it makes sense. Um, they, As he's cut off from the, the rest of the collective, he starts kind of chatting with them. Uh, LaForge, uh, being LaForge, naturally forms a relationship because he has to. Every fucking robot loves LaForge. For some reason, he should really reflect on that. And hologram. Yeah. And so he's talking to this uh, Borg who's like, we will assimilate you. And he's just like, nah, I don't want to be assimilate assimilated. And the Borg doesn't quite understand it. Again, he's cut off for the first time. He's thinking for himself. Um, and he's like, you don't want to be assimilated? Um, and he's like, Jordy's like, no. Uh, and over time, they figure they have to call the Borg something. So they call him Hugh off of the base of him saying you over and over again. Just like, the word it. you. And Hugh. they're like, that sounds like Hugh. Yeah. Uh, does it? Okay. Good enough. His name could be Ewan, but yep. okay. Meanwhile, Guinan overhears all of this. And if you know anything about Guinan, you know that her race was nearly wiped out by the Borg. And she's like, I'm sorry. You have a Borg that you're naming Hugh that you're bringing back to health. And meanwhile, like Picard's like, yeah, but we're eradicating them. You know, like that's still. But and she's like, that's not what Jordy's been saying. Yeah, <laughs> forward. Basically, people are starting to talk about Hugh as an individual and saying, and like, is this fucked up? Should we do this? Yeah, yeah, I'm having second thoughts. So she fences Picard as they do. Uh, and she pretends to be injured in order to get a touch on Picard. And, it was, and her lesson is like, yeah, kill them while they're weak because they'll kill you. Um, which is very unguinan like of her, but again, she's 
kind You're of supposed to think the Borg are unlike anything they've experienced. Before. Yep, and that's, that's what the makes offer. them terrifying, right? That's what always made the Borg terrifying is they are you cannot change them. But even Guinan decides to actually talk to Hugh and realizes that Hugh is talking to himself as an I and not a we. Uh, and she's realizing like, okay, yeah, this isn't the Borg anymore. This is an individual that is cut off. We could technically, like if we want to reform this Borg, and it also means in her head that Borgs can be reformed, which is a whole new idea right this is the first time that's represented in star trek it won't be it's, the last it's and super in, fitting that you brought up Baldur's gate 3 because essentially it's a combat encounter that she didn't realize oh you can just persuade these exactly <laughs> and, yeah. and not to spoil star trek picard but the character hugh will be back um oh yeah i assumed he got that's interesting yeah. cool that he stayed individual same, same actor too they use That's the awesome. same actor. Yeah, no, the Borg, there's a whole history that happens. But the, you know, Seven of Nine is, of course, the next It's like Boba version. Fett getting out of the Sarlacc. Yeah. yeah, this is the first moment where they realize that the Borg, and that we as Nadia's realize, oh, the Borg aren't this, like, this just um, unrelenting entity. They actually can be turned. So Coach realizing that. You that, could recover the person, yeah. Yeah, realizing that Guinan goes to Picard and she's like, yeah you think this might be fucked up? Picard's like, I haven't thought about it. I haven't talked to the Borg. She's and he's like, like, you, you, you switched. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you haven't even talked to him. And it's clear that Picard doesn't want to talk to him because he's probably knows in the back of his mind that he might also, Jordy came to him and he's like, I have second thoughts. And he's just like, Jordy, be more of a sociopath about this. Okay. Um, and so like the card at this point is clearly the only person left Who's like, maybe this is wrong. You can't genocide a race, even if they are trying to genocide. Trying you. to genocide you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Bakari is like, all right, let me talk to him. He beams him into his ready room, which I was like, Picard, just make the make the walk. You know, you lazy bastard. But sure, mm. beam him in. Um, and he's alone with him. And Picard improvise he does a little yes and because he looks at him and goes lacutus and then picard's like oh yeah fuck i forgot i was lacutus and he goes yeah you know what i am lacutus well i doubt he forgot well but yeah, yeah but he didn't realize that the board was gonna <laughs> right. recognize him and he's like yes yes i am lacutus and in fact i'm here making sure you assimilate these people why aren't you assimilating these people and Huey's like, they don't want to be assimilated. Jordy is my friend, my turtle, you could say. And uh, and uh, I don't want to assimilate him. Um, And so uh, Picard realizes. <laughs> Picard's like, fuck. Yeah, Picard's like, god damn it. All right, Hugh's a person. I get it. We're not going to do the thing. Uh, Hugh, you can stay here. You can seek asylum. And Hugh realizes like, well... <laughs> that'll kill all of you. Like if, if I seek asylum, the Borg will never stop going after you. You'll be a target. It's, I need to go back. I need to go back. I'm, I'm going to make that sacrifice and go back to the collective. Seven of nine. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Even though, even though I am now realizing that being a Borg kind of sucks, I'm going to go back and be a Borg. And they sort of speculate like, well, maybe this individuality will be the thing that is their downfall. That will bleed into the Borg. And I mean, yeah. as we learn slowly, that is kind of what happens. And this is the first f real shot fired at the Borg. They don't even realize it because this 
has pre- repercussions all the way into Star Trek Picard and through Voyager. And um, they send him back. Jordy's like, can I stay there and watch him leave? And Picard's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> and like both mm. you and him are like, yeah, they probably won't assimilate Jordy. It's like, yeah, why not? I mean, we should beam him down and get the fuck out of here. But let's do that for fun. Let's or beam like, Jordy remember down. When we sh- remember when we showed up and we were terrified yeah. and trying to leave? Let's hang out. Let's hang out and now. like, l- let's... Because br- this one's good. And you're like, but the ones we were scared yeah. of are still coming and, and they're, like, they're still evil. Let's hide and wait. And it's like, or don't beam Jordy down and just leave. And just get the fuck out <laughs> but of there. No, they hide and wait. Jordy says goodbye. Hugh disappears. And then they, I guess, go wait till the coast is clear. Pro- I would wait hours. Jordy's on there. He has to take a dump and they, and they beam him back up eventually. Um, and we don't even see that part. So that's the end of the episode. I Borg, which is a great episode. I'm, I'm giving it the business, but it is a good mm. episode. Uh, and I am done talking about it. Fuck, I gotta not kill this robot. Famously good episode, well told. Uh, Iborg, of course, a reference to iRobot, a short story collection by Isaac Asimov, yep. considered one of the initial blueprints for how robots think. Uh, yeah, it the would later three be. rules of robotics uh, are something that a lot of scientists think we probably will use, and he devised them. Yeah, I mean, later they perfected I it like with the, uh, the Will Smith movie that kind of got all That's the... Right. That got trimmed the fat, so to speak. Well, also Asimov was kind of a piece of crap, as a lot of those guys were. I just mean I like his. And writing. like he in he in interviews early was like, I imagine Will Smith for this. He didn't even know. Who <laughs> yeah, he and was. they were like, who? And he's like, Fresh Prince. And we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Come on, Hancock. And they're like, Oh. So <laughs> that takes us to our next segment. Scrolling up to remember the name. Uh, good news. Yeah, that's right. Good news. Number one. I refreshed my memory and got half of it out. This is where we explain why we paired it. Uh, Dave already mentioned the turtle thing, but there's more. I wanna, there's more yeah, than that. I, I actually think this out. does fit better than Force of Nature. Oh, ultimately. it 100% does. Yeah. I just want to point out it's very funny. I guess it's the next segment that Bender does. It's not because of his connection to Fry. <laughs> it's because of a connection to a turtle. That's right. That's very that he funny. he saw on TV once. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, Jordy's the turtle. But most of all, I, I guess I'll start. <laughs> That's more of a detail yeah go ahead it's about everybody deciding to eradicate a robot species in order to solve an existential problem and then learning that you can't trade one genocide for another and it's not moral in both cases they also have to trick them to do it uh sad lonely yeah sad lonely robot killed for the greater good curse and yep they feel guilty so they don't do it uh if they're left alone, they'll make the environment unlivable. The global warming thing is equivalent to the Borg ultimately filling every corner of the galaxy, yep. which is the concern there. Um, both episodes start with the crew focused on the sun and how hot it is, <laughs> You're right. uh, which was just by chance. Futurama, they're looking at, up at the sun going, it's so hot. Uh, the Star Trek, they're hovering near a sun, looking at it, going, wow, it's amazing how much heat it puts You're out. right. <laughs> just by chance. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. <laughs> Um, in both ones, the robots are killed by a geometric shape, <laughs> the uh, big round mirror and an impossible shape, which is on a, is so dumb. It's only one removed from the classic fifties thing where you go, this statement is a lie. And yeah. the robot goes, I can't process that. <laughs> it's head very explodes. Funny. Um, so stupid. It's the idea that a robot brain can't 
let go of something. Yeah. Of course it can. It can go, well, that I'll delete that. Like, you know, I don't right. know why it it's would. It's one anyway. of the first things we teach him is like, right. people are nonsense. Don't listen to them. Or if something doesn't work, stop that and do something else. Right. Like, why would we not teach it that? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they, um, the, and, and both a robot learns of the situation uh, and chooses to sacrifice themselves to make a selfless choice to save the people they love. Um, mm -hmm. Jordy and the turtle. Basically, Hugh is asked to destroy the Enterprise by Picard and says, "No, I won't do that. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm going to reject my destructive force." And so does Bender. And in both cases, get, it's a selfless choice oops, to sacrifice themselves in exchange. Correct, you are, sir. We get multiple scenes in both of one member of the crew acting so notably unlike themselves that the other characters go, you're hiding your real feelings, aren't right. you? Uh, Bender and Picard. So Bender, they're like, you're acting nice and like you love people. What's wrong with you? And with Picard, they're going, uh, you're clearly still fucked up about the yeah. thing, but let's talk about it. And he goes, no, no, no. So same thing there. Um, should be noted that, that uh, similarly, a robot character in both reveals their own vulnerabilities. Hugh and Bender both slowly like reveal more about themselves. Well, it's more than that. They learn humanity or feeling and bond over the fact that they're differently abled in the same way. Bender and Shelley both can't roll over. Jordy and Hugh talk about how they both have cybernetic eyes. Right. Um, also, in both uh, a character, a different character is struggling with memories of guilt by denying it and not wanting to talk about it. Picard and the Borg and the professor as the cause of global warming. They both That's feel right. responsibility. Same vibe. Yeah. yeah. And they're both like, no, I will not talk about this. Okay, fine. Uh, and I would also say that objectively Hugh treats Jordy poorly. Yeah. Or like a, for the 80% of the relationship is talking crap on him and stuff. Cause Jordy basically takes the brunt of ch changing him. So as a result, there's a lot of scenes where the robot is treating the human like shit and the human is deal is just sucking it up. It's very similar to Fry Bender dynamic, the Jordy, a hero dynamic. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is sort of repetitive but the solution is all or nothing it's genocide or nothing and there's both, a ticking clock in both the lasers coming yep. the thing the board cubes yeah coming. and it's like we need to get every single one of them we can't say we can't you know every robot has to help out hugh like every yeah we have to eradicate the entire Borg, and so on. Uh, by the end, we find out the robots have more capability than we knew. Yep. The Borg do have the capacity for individuality. <laughs> Bender does have the capacity to roll <laughs> over. That's great. Um, That's great. And in the end, all the robots gather in one place to hang out together and have a robot party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got, but it's pretty strong. It's pretty good shit. Yeah. It's good, good shit, even though obviously Bender doesn't act like Hugh acts. No. Um, so let's dive into and unpack. I have, I think, some killer questions for this Star Trek in the next segment we call BMSPD. Bite my shiny. Prime Directive. Mm. That's right. The Baltimore Michael Swain Police Department. <laughs> um, so the first thing I wanted to ask, not can they, can't they use any other comment? I did that. Um, yeah, let's start with Futurama, was, I guess. Yeah, we'll start with the Futurama. Uh, oh, okay. The thing that really stood out to me about the Futurama was when the Crescinator hits on Bender on the island, he's not into her. I thought he fucking loved the right, Crescinator. Right. In the second episode on the moon, he's like, she's the hottest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, he then there's another episode where she strips for him and like 
you know, backs onto okay, his butt or whatever. I think what they're arguing here is that Bender's so bummed that he's not into it. <laughs> he's like, it's not time yeah. right now, baby. Is this the first Hedonism Bot episode? Oh, yes. I didn't realize that's the, that's that's the, the introduction. Yeah, yeah, he's a punchline, um, basically. We all, yeah, he goes, we all need to be shut down. Um, or like everyone, I know you're having fun, especially you, hedonism bot. But we all need to be yeah. shut down, especially you, hedonism bot. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, wow, I, wow, a legend is born. Yeah, because it, yeah, it was clearly a one-off joke that they're like, no, he's great, <laughs> keep him. Mm-hmm. It um, I uh, so we already talked about it, but it is really weird that they're basically like, oh no, the poor cars in this episode. The other thing that makes this yeah. this episode really fucking to me like not dated but like naive or it's just funny again but it's like if you're gonna do the evolution episode have something cogent to say about evolution right if you're gonna do a random episode about the robot devil fine go nuts but like it seemed yeah go ahead but like big ball of garbage (laughs) that one is literally about kicking the can down the road right right they're saying something this one they have a scene that was so it like made me sad where they learn there's a problem climate change and then all the world scientists come together and form a conclusion and then the government says and then let's do a do thing that. about it yeah. yeah and and i know they're sort of tongue-in-cheek where it's like they're treating them like celebrities it's kind of the point but it's not mm. enough of an observation you know what i mean um, and that that solution will inconvenience everybody, and they're like, "We're going to do it anyway." It was clearly a plot convenience. It was not a satirical commentary, right? Like in that moment, you can tell by the shape of it. Yeah, exactly. They're playing with these ideas, and they're saying things that are very weird and specific, but not concluding anything ultimately yeah. that's worthwhile. Agreed. Yeah. Meanwhile, I guess I, I mean. And then, of course, I pointed out just the plot holes bother me like yeah. again and again and again for a show where hmm, it's interesting. There's episodes of Futurama where they telegraph that the science is going to be so bullshit in this one. Don't worry about it. It's like magic. But then there's other ones where they telegraph. You can actually track the math in this and the brain switching is a real thing. And I think they're very good at framing which is going to be which. This one feels like one and then doesn't deliver. And then it delivers the other kind of episode. And right. that's what feels weird about it. Yeah. Whereas Iborg on track. <laughs> oh yeah. I also, yeah. If we're talking about Iborg, I want to talk about Jordy's relationship with the robots. Cause I actually think it's mm-hmm. a really positive thing. Cause at first, sure. like if I were Jordy at first, I'd be like, what's going on here? Am, am I broken? That they glom onto me, but they do this consistently with Jordy. And I know they must've internally realized it. What Jordy's actual situation is, is that he doesn't judge anyone. Like he's completely open. He talks to them like they're people. That's anyone, to, yeah. anything, a any hologram, alien, yeah. an alien. Yeah, that's what it is. Is it's not just robots as anybody, but so so that's what they're actually showing is that Jordy being a, a man of science who spends a lot of time around technology looks at data and goes, like, yeah, he's my friend. I immediately accept him. Um, and while other yeah. people see him as a novelty, he does that to Hugh, where he's just like, Hugh's saying robot shit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, buddy. Just like the Bender Fry first scene they meet. Yeah. How, you mean you would want a robot for a friend? Yeah. Ever since I was 10 years yeah, old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jordy is just like, yeah, you're, I'm going to talk to you like anybody else, even if you're a fucking weird little nerd. Like, uh, yeah. because so am I, you know? Well, here's a fuck. It just occurs to me now. I don't mean to change topic. No. But I, I'm like, my brain is just blown away. It's because Jordy says, uh, we're learning a lot about 
the Borg from downloading the files of your experience, Captain. First of all, what are those files? Is it a transcript of Picard's brain going, oh God, oh no, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. And right. just, like, what are those files? Um, and then B, Picard was resuscitated and revived and was a Borg and now is not. How can they not understand that the Borgs are recoverable? Shouldn't Lilokita's incident have proven that? That's what's just occurring to me now. Right. I think in their minds, they're like, they made him a special Borg that kept his individuality. It was so little time or whatever. Yeah, but they also made him special. So it was like... I, I think they were like, oh, he's a different oh, he was type the voice. of voice. Yeah. Well, that's my other big question about Iborg is my pet theory, and you can tell me if this meshes with Picard at all. Um, they so Picard's sorry, not the show, now talking about the man. Right. Uh, space Space Daddy says, um, well, you know, just because it's the right thing to do, let's give him his individuality, let him make his choice. He chooses to go back to the Borg. That's his choice. And we're doing that just for that reason alone. But I like to think maybe his individuality will spread like a virus, but a good virus and infect the other Borg and wake up others. And my question is, I think it would be very ironic and kind of cool as storytelling if that seed of individuality is what gave rise to the existence of the Borg queen. Because people who have seen Voyager know that there is one Borg who's like Lacutus. She's individual and she orders them around just like the Xenomorph queen. And she's fucking brutal and vicious. And the fact that she has individualism makes her more dangerous than your average Borg. And my question is, Maybe she wouldn't exist if not for Hugh, because up to Voyager, when we see Borg, they are a chorus of voices speaking in unison. The Borg Queen's the first one we see where she's like, "I'll talk, I'll speak." Yeah, for them. she shows up in the, one of the movies first in First Contact, and like, yeah, yeah I, I, and they Hugh comes back in this show to show that that is happening, and I bet I don't think Star Trek Picard ever says that, but I can see that being the lore of that they never say it's cool head canon, explicitly I think. yeah it's a good idea it's clear that something ripples through the borg and then i think star trek picard did a good job or did some interesting shit with the evolution of the borg in that um and so like the borg are very interesting they are I, very like, interesting philosophical questions like would they still be evil if they only converted corpses into right. cybernetics? You know, like if they were space yeah, zombies, they is would that be, okay? It would be uncomfortable to be around where you're like, right. hey, you're my grandma. And they're like, yeah. I, I also, it's funny, the way Porgs are always described by Borgs, and I know this is the point, they're pitching it to people. It doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> like when Hugh is like, you, you are all alone here. When I'm in the collective, we have many thoughts. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like you've been assimilated. Right. It sounds like you're all individuals. Like, what if it's like the Matrix? I've said this before, where it's oh, just you're like, individuals, but you're linked. It sounds like yeah, yeah. and it's, it's like, like the internet. Yeah, oh, exactly. you live on the internet. You live right. on the internet. That's fine. I mean, well, that's what I always think about. Is endlessly fascinating to me about hive mind versus not hive mind. Right? Is we creatures like us? would totally reasonably and necessarily think, oh, you have a hive mind? That's terrifying. It's like be a, being a zombie. You have no yourselfness. And if you were a hive mind, 
the opposite is just as terrifying. You're like, I have access to everyone, not just in my family, but in the world at all times. You're alone, trapped in a little meat cube? Exactly. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. So like, it's legitimate for a hive mind species to think they're superior and for an individually minded species to think, no, I would never want that. I think that's right? why- That is interesting. Yeah, that's why we love that, right? That idea. Yeah, love it. And yeah. like- yeah, like I like to think now the Borg all watch a movie and then in their hive mind, they're like fighting about the quality of the movie like it's the Internet. Like they're like, yeah, we're a singular mind. I mean, we bitch about shit like all the time. Well, right. And the offer that they have thoughts changes everything about the Borg. Right. Because if right. And they play with that more in Voyager episodes like Unimatrix one and all this shit. But it's just interesting to me because there's a similar there's an analogous version I always think about. Which is like, what if there was a zombie outbreak and we all start doing the thing where we love killing zombies and it's fun. And then what if you found out that the person's brain is still in there that's still your aunt. She's just driven sick and driven to bite people. Like she's yeah. having fits and seizures, but she's still in there. That would change everything about how you think about zombies, There's, right? Yeah. And this does that with Borg. I always wish I said this about Borg, but a zombie movie from the perspective of someone who is a zombie and it there is trapped in their mind. And like the reality is just different for yeah. them or something would be great. Um, I wrote it as a short story once, but I'd like to see it as a movie. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, shit. I was going to say something else, but one of the most telling things to me about the Borg in this, that if I were any member of the Enterprise, I would spend hours asking them about is why Hugh has little rubber abs. I'd be like, you mm -hmm. didn't, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> like, I want to see Hugh be like, yeah, we thought it looked good. <laughs> that, <laughs> like I, Batman. I was we look like Batman. Another, I also really want to ask. Like when he talks around data and they notice that he's saying we instead of I. Right. Um, and he's, I wanted him to go like, yes. And I also can use contractions. You can't. And data's like, no, I cannot. And yeah. He's like, why? That's fucking stupid. <laughs> like was. I don't, why can't data use contractions? It will never not bother me. Yeah. Um, and then another nitpicky question, but that's the last one I got is, Something that occurred to me this time, if you're a Trekkie out there and you know the answer, please let me know. Why is Jordy in gold, the command color? Is there no engineering color? Shouldn't he be in teal, the science officer color? Yeah, you're right. I was going to say season five is peak Star Trek aesthetically, in my opinion, where it's like they've all kind it of- It is beautiful. Yeah, they're it's all It's shot like, beautifully too. Yeah, they figured it all out, right? They know yeah. who all the characters are. That is a weird thing that I feel like they never really- I mean, solved. he's in gold for the rest of the show, but I just always wonder about- Color, or I didn't always. It just occurred to me to wonder about that. Yeah, they ran out of colors. They tried others, and they're like, "Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good." Um, yeah. I uh, I have one more thing, and this is mm -hmm. gonna sound weird. Why can't Picard just have one genocide as a treat? So like, <laughs> all right, I I like I, that guy on the Survivors I, yeah. who killed all the Boon Rocky or whatever. Right, that guy who Picard is like, we have no laws for what you did. And I'm like, yes, you do, Picard. You 100 <laughs> yeah, percent murder Picard. times a billion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's what I mean. I guess is that there are genocides that happen, and people just like and like. It's not really that I want Picard to do genocide. It's more of like when this episode begins and the Borg show up, Picard's like, I'll be in my writing room. And Troy and Data, Data, the robot, look at each other like, ah, oh, here we go. And she walks in and Picard should be like, can we not do this every time a Borg shows up? Like, we're going to have to deal with the Borg a lot. 
can't I just right. repress these feelings? Like I, I get that you feel ev- you can feel everything I feel, but that doesn't mean I want to fucking talk. But I still about have it. the right to repress mem- feelings right. if I want. You're right. You can even say it's not healthy, but f- I get to do what I want. Exactly. <laughs> I can repress. I, I can't imagine how awful that must be oh, to be to like be in relationship with. Oh Troy yeah, all the time. Yeah, our Troy. Like, what do you think of this dress? Like, I like it. I know you don't really like it. And it's like, yeah, fine. Then fucking don't ask. Leave me alone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Um, And so like Picard in this case, it's just like, I don't know. Let him, let him be. And then everybody starts nagging at him Dude. and everybody. Oh, yeah. And then when Sorry. he's like, I'm going to genocide them, but Guinan's like, it's not good enough. And then she's like, maybe you should and like, everybody's fucking on. Oh, now you don't want me to. Hey. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, and it's, and I think, Oh, go ahead. Oh go no. Ahead. I just want to say if they wiped out the Borg here, it would, save a lot of lives that's the obvious right yeah. is we, i almost didn't bring it up because it's like the first thing we would say in a cracked article the villain's right but it's like i understand that it is upsetting to know that zombies there's still a scrap of humanity in there and if you had the right medicine and blah 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 maybe right. you could even reverse it but right now there's only let's say a thousand humans left on earth and there's a million zombies if we could stop it and start rebuilding the human race from this point forward, that would be good. Yeah. There's billions of Borg threatening not just even our quadrant. People on the other side of the galaxy fear the Borg. The Borg is the most populous thing in the galaxy in Star Trek universe. Right. That's why they're such a threat. It's like a tree is 80% rotted from the inside. Um, you shouldn't keep feeding the rot. No matter how much it hurts, it is for the greater good. You should genocide the Borg. It's the objectively correct answer. And it's fucked up to say. And again, history, (laughs) history, this fictional history will prove it wrong. I will accept the judgment of history. Yeah. But the fictional history will prove it wrong and prove that like, yes, it's good that Picard didn't do this. But it's, I'm sure the Borg will become good someday, right, but, but I, that's wishful storytelling. I get it. It's like the baby Hitler thing where it's like, but you'd have to kill a baby. And it's like, babies die all the time. And those aren't Hitler. Like, <laughs> Look, it's happening now. Yeah, exactly. And so it's the same where it's like, we run into so many genocides on this show. Can't Picard just can't do this us, one knowing yeah. that it's going to stop? Of this crazy shit that's going to destroy the universe? Really? Just one? Real yeah. Genocide? Yeah, yeah. I, and I know this right. is the most callous version of this. I know, I know. And I know that Pretty ultimately fun. it goes against the entire point of this. Um, it's just like, it's not to say that Picard was right. It's more to say that like I understand Picard's perspective yeah. in this episode. So um, let's smooth it over. With some joke roulette. Does that work for you? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. All right. Known to cause insanity in laboratory mice. Very good. Uh, This always reminded me of Space Quest 1. Those who know, know. When they present a product called instant pool water, (laughs) dead leaves included. It's great. I I didn't I I was a lot more selective with this one, so I'm now at mm-hmm. the video that by the way, it's very funny that it's one of the most sweaty transitions which he goes, perhaps watching this video will take our minds off the heat. I know. So bad. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, well, I'll get to the video by saying Fry says, "It's so hot I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off." Johnny Carson said it. Right. And that's not funny enough to make Joe Roulette, so I will say the B one, which of course the callback is good. When he goes, that ice machine's so big, the ice crushes you. Yakov Smirnov said it, and Leela says, no, he didn't. Yes. <laughs> um, just the little girl <laughs> spilling her ice cream and him going, ha, ha, ha. You might yeah. be wondering why your ice cream went away. Well, Susie, the culprit isn't foreigners. It's global warming. And then she goes, global warming. 
Because they do yeah. the thing with Susie where she speaks like an idiot. And when they explain how ice works, she says, just like that, he puts in his twink in the morning. And Man, then he gets, gets mad. mad. <laughs> I also just like Mr. Sunbeam getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> right? Great visual. Oh, God, it hurts. Of, of course, as the planet continues to warm, it will take more and more ice to cool it each time, thus solving the problem <laughs> once and for all. But <laughs> once and for all. Yeah. Zoidberg saluting Nixon. I just like that. That's good. Professor. Yes, there's no safer occupation than mining, especially when you're <laughs> whipping around through space at a million miles an hour. Woo! Safe. <laughs> I also like, you heard the good news, everyone. Save the Earth, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Et uh, the giant foam cup. It's dumb. I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Bender, this could be the end of the banana daiquiri as we know it. Also life. Yep. Couple Morbo ones. Morbo is pleased, but sticky. And then um, the Mo Morbo wishes these stalwart nomads peace amongst the Dutch tulips. That is a that's enough for me. But then she mm -hmm. goes, "I hope the windmills will keep them cool." Morbo goes, <laughs> "Windmills do not work that way." Good night. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bender, a turtle isn't yourself. <laughs> Why do you care about it? That's low key a really great line. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, I've got a degree in homeopathic medicine, the truck, you've got a degree in baloney. And then just got to shout out the reveal that the truck is the character because it's a truck right. going around announcing. And then it's later robot. it's, yeah, that's a great little reveal. It's like the radiator woman from the radiator plant. Yeah. Attends Fry's funeral. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? That's crazy. I've seen you get off your back tons of times. All those times I was slightly on my side. <laughs> Um, Hermes to the professor, you haven't acted this suspicious since I found those ape bones in your basement. Mm. My hip hurts. I'm cooking a turkey. I'm not just making excuses. Mm. All right, I'll go. <laughs> Talks uh, himself into it. And then I have ridden the mighty moonworm, moonworm from Agor. And then Fry, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> um, the only reason it, the conference was held in Kyoto was this sign joke that the writer thought of. Kyoto, the anagram lover's Tokyo. Ah, oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. I like the guy when the mirror goes wrong, the guy looking up and going, ooh, that's a little bright, and then exploding. <laughs> and then getting burned. <laughs> um, I know a very standout line for many in the episode. As I discuss in my book, Earth and the Balance, and the much more popular Harry Potter and the Balance of Earth, we must defend the earth from global warming and also dark wizards. Cut to a dark wizard in the audience. Sure, blame the wizards. <laughs> Cut back to Gore. That's why I'm offering a bag of moon sapphires to the scientist that can solve global warming once and for all. Cut to the wizard. Sapphires? With those, I could open the gates of Ganesh. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, some wizard jokes. I'm not seeing any indication that... Oh, yeah, no. Wait. No, Al Gore mm. was, did his voice. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, it's I Al was Gore. reading that he, was, he didn't do the table reads, and I'm like, yeah, why would he? <laughs> He's Al right. Gore. Um, uh, uh, professor, you're a professor. You're a professor. <laughs> <laughs> you must have some ideas, Professor. And Absolutely then, uh, not. I oh, won't speak. I got nothing to hide. Our next speaker is Professor. I demand the floor. Yes, it's your <laughs> turn to speak. Well, nuts to me. I'm taking <laughs> the stage. Then he points a gun at his head. <laughs> 
and he says, I feel so guilty. And Fry goes, no, don't do it. Don't do what? Use this memory ray so I can remember what happened back then? Shoots himself with a ray. It was October the 17th at 1.54 p.m. And 14 birds were flying past the window. Uh, the, it's kind of a used up joke, but I like the C-3PO. Oh, dear. Yeah. Might I favor master with a tender kiss on the forehead? Oh, dear. I failed again. Yeah. Crushes him while he goes, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, Gore says, peace out, y'all, as he blasts off. That's that classic thing we say where if you get a very respectable guest, a great joke is just to make them say something bro-y and dumb. Yeah. So good. Uh, Uh, Danny, the one I always wish we got was we were in talks with Weezer to do a sketch with us. They ended up doing it with Funny or Die instead. But Daniel scripted for Rivers Cuomo to say, I'm I'm Rivers Cuomo turkey and then disappear in a puff of smoke. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Um, you already mentioned, I suppose the environment can take one more for the team, but that's a good yeah. one. Fry saying, wait, we can hide you. We'll pile fruit on you and claim you're a bull. Mm. Zoidberg strange. Why would Nixon, an awkward, <laughs> uncomfortable man, throw a party? One of the most social events that there is. It's a trap is why Nixon's going to turn off all the robots. Leela. Yeah. We all already <laughs> figured that out. <laughs> That's a good one. And then um, Bender, Fry, as you know, there are a lot of things I'm willing to kill for. Jews, <laughs> vengeance, Father O'Malley's weed whacker. But at long last, I found something I'm willing to die for. This mindless turtle. Mindless. <laughs> <laughs> Insulting the turtle in the line. Bender, this world isn't good enough for you. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about the the robot party is great. The the yeah. cannon firing the guy and then getting up. Them spraying down oh, the robots. They all spark. Yeah. This vendor's continued brawl with that guy while people are talking. <laughs> I remember speech. the scream. That's so funny to me. Uh, it's the smoking robot who goes where he goes. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Oh God! You mean Nixon's not bringing the smokes? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because he said he was stepping yeah. out for smokes. I'm going out for some smokes. Uh, really good <laughs> smokes. Two hours. For two hours. And uh, then, so like R- Roberto is stabbing someone. And then when Fry goes, shut up, everyone, he slowly stops yes. stabbing him and pays attention. <laughs> and then uh, about, I think the turtle, poor guy, maybe you'd feel better if I had a drink and then pumps mm-hmm. the keg. Crummy keg can't even. Hey, you're a robot keg. Don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need all need to be shut off to save the turtles. To hell with the turtles. No one insults the turtles. <laughs> then he has a knife fight with the preacher bot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then when it's not working, Slayla, some lazier, polite robot is holding it in. A billion robot lives are about to be extinguished. The Jedi are going <laughs> to feel this one. I like Bender's line. At least we'll die on our backs. Helpless. Helpless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my last one, Professor, for saving the Earth and foiling me, I proudly and angrily present you with Earth's highest honor, the polluting medal of pollution. <laughs> Thank you. I deserve this. <laughs> Both uh, great lines. Yeah. And the concept of a medal that has smog coming out of it. Yes. A lot of banger lines. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So we've done our due diligence. We get to make our final call, which barely matters because it's really about the journey. But let's decide who did it better in a segment called Maximum Warp Ellipsis Energize. Warp 9. Knock it up a notch. Maximum Warp. Take it so. Engage. No, don't engage. Um, energize. energize. It's 
Iborg. Yeah, it's Iborg. It's Iborg. How could I know? Yeah, I, I, don't. I mean, the Futurama I'm sorry, has, I hesitated. The Futurama has some banger lines, but yeah, it is. But a, that will happen again. Yeah, Futurama can always do that. <laughs> exactly, they'll always do that. And Iborg is not only is Iborg really good, but as we talked about, this future episode is Futurama it's on episode point. is the really structure works. Yeah, yeah. and the Futurama and is really confusing. Up, it opened up the main villain of the series in a way that is infinitely like interesting and unpackable. Yeah. Crimes of the Hot is not like a seminal Futurama no, they, lore d- again, episode. Again, they did the anything. same premise better before. Right. So, Big ball of trash. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. That takes us right into our fan Q&A segment, which also is attended by sound effects. Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. This is the one where we just, yeah, I think it was pretty, not Q from Star Trek, but you know, the other, the, the Western one, right. um, only four people ask five people ask questions this time. So let's do them all. Right. And if I, there will come a day where there's no questions. Yeah, we'll I, deal with I don't that think then. it, I don't think it'll be on us. I think it'll just be Twitter. No. We'll move to no. blue sky or, or we'll ask on Patreon. Those people, yeah. sure, those, fucking, that works. those nerds love us. They're in, they're yeah. in. Doc Garby, one of our faves at JD Burroughs says, do you think sci-fi is a thing in the Star Trek universe or has it disappeared as a genre? Okay. So I'm trying to remember if there is evidence of sci-fi. Yes, it must exist. They like because old sci-fi, Lieutenant right? Tom Paris is obsessed with doing Flash Gordon shit right. on the holodeck. Oh my God. I hate Tom Paris. I forgot that he loves yeah, that all shit. of his shit sucks and ruins the lore of the, the series. The thing about he watches a, he watches a CRT TV like he watches Looney Tunes on TV and you're like, OK, well, that opens up. Why isn't everyone watching TV? Yeah. Like. I just barely accepted that there's no TV and this one guy does watch TV. Right. I hate it. They should, they would have been amazing if they did an episode like the game, but it's TV. <laughs> but people are like, Whoa, we're TV is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I, do you know the show? Ally McBeal? Yeah. This shit is good. Yeah. I got to the good Voyager and it is good, but here's what I'll say. And it's kind of insulting to Voyager is that a lot of details of Voyager feels like stuff that was on the writer's room floor of the previous ones, which can I mean, wise. Yes. Yeah. Where they like, like deep space nine. They're like, we got a new captain. What should we do? Make him not like Picard. That's great. Should they be bald? Yeah. They're both bald. Of course they're bald. Oh no, he's not bald at first. And then they let him be bald. But, um, he asked to be bald and they made it. They yeah. said, uh, people would be too intimidated by a black man. With a black well, also he had just, he had just played a like, character yeah, yeah. that was bald with a goatee. If you yeah. watch the, yeah. But, um, and they're like, what should we give him? Picard had horses and like baseball. Let's make him annoying about baseball the way Picard was annoying about horses. So let's give him things, you know, like what's the holodeck thing? Julian will be a secret agent. It's like Sherlock Holmes, but he's British. So it Dude. makes sense. Then we the get the fact that Janeway's is that she's a Victorian yes. schoolmar, like governess. It's, it's like, like, that's so out of character for her. Yeah. And it's like, what a weird, fu- because it really feels Fucking like they're weird. like, we got to give him a holodeck. We got to give him a thing. What should it be? And they just threw some of the worst ideas. At them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you can tell they know because halfway through, 
even though, for example, right, like data in Sherlock Holmes, that stays true the whole time because they knew it was a good choice. They lose confidence in the governess thing. And instead, her thing becomes now she hangs out with Leonardo da Vinci. And you're like, all right, whatever. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they were desperately trying. They knew they had to do the thing. Something. What's her thing? And then they're yeah. like, let's do Flash Gordon. It's like, yeah, really? Yeah, I guess. Chaotica. Yeah. Anyway, uh, James McLaughlin asks, when characters are stuck in a time loop, TNG's cause and effect, for example, is time resetting to when the characters started to get deja vu or does it completely reset and they live their entire lives up to the point where they get deja vu? Meaning like the film doesn't show us, but like when they cut to cause and effect, Mm, eh, I see what you're fishing for, James, but I got to say my answer is no. Wait, I Because that would not, mean what? It, Everyone experiences their own birth? Those all happen at staggered times. Wait, I don't I don't quite remember that or what you're saying. The the time loop starts in cause and effect when the time With loop them playing starts. poker yeah, at, and going, wait, point. I recognize this. So James is saying, what if the... What if for our convenience, just like we do in film, they're cutting out boring stuff, but in reality... Crusher actually experienced her whole life from birth to right. this poker game and then went, wait, I have deja vu. I think, the, I think it doesn't hold up because she would experience deja well, vu before that point. Yeah, I also think the episode specifically says this is when we get caught in this or like the anomaly throws us back in time a set amount. Like, I'm yeah, pretty sure that's the yeah. rules of it. Because the, they question, scan the chronotons and they know how many chronotons leaked out or right. whatever. The crazier question to me is that. Do they keep making new timelines or like, how does the world experience that time loop? Right. Like, uh, cause yeah. there's a million ver timelines where this enterprise exploded then. And it's like, did those live out differently? Did they, by doing that, erase the existence of people because they probably yeah. did right there's a version where they exploded and they wouldn't have killed this person who gave birth to this person who like in those timelines i assume never exist like they probably just looped it until it, it's like groundhog day right where it's like for everybody else it was just this one day they're where in bill a little murray, roller coaster loop and then they get out of it right yeah. and for everybody else it was this day where bill murray was suddenly just godlike <laughs> And, and like a, and a great guy yeah. with a big heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like to think that a Groundhog's Day, the reality is he just had a stroke that shut down that part of his brain and made him nice like some people do. Sure. Um, anyway, yeah. Bad question, James. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Burgers asks, says, with all the great stuff you produce every week, I'm actually wondering how many hours do you work each week? Including like watching movies to discuss or the research for some more news. Oh. Oh, including Papa Bear stuff? Okay. Uh, I'm guessing it's more than people would think. So you mean on all my work work? How often? Uh, dude, I work like 10 hours a day, six days a week, at least. Wait, wait, wait how much? I'd say like I work minimum a 60-hour week, work week. Yeah. And I just mean actually... I'm not even counting watching movies. You know what? In that. Oh, if you yeah. count watching movies and playing video games, I probably work an 80-hour work week every week. Yeah, I, it's similar. I, I have actually been able to kind of create a, a, a not nine to five, but like a like a nine to seven work like day. It's hard. It's, it's really hard because it changes, right? So like every podcast takes an average of three hours. Um, that's Assuming the That's podcast right. is about an hour to 90 minutes, assuming that I watched one movie or one piece of content for that podcast um, and had to stop and take notes. So yeah. like average three hours. So take the amount of podcasts and then the amount of podcasts I record per week is everything between four and eight. 
depending on the week. But so, then when you're talking about writing something densely packed with real information that you don't want to fuck up, like a 14 page, some more news script, well, yeah, that's, that's a month's part. long endeavor. <laughs> well, that's what's interesting. So that's 32 hours for a, a podcast week, assuming I do the max. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, some more news to p- give people perspective on that. Like I, it, we give people a month to write the episodes I have a week per edit. Sometimes I write them from scratch in that week. So it, it's it's a lot but of But I'm sure you've gotten faster if you've gone. Like mine yeah, is taking longer than it's that. It's a lot sure. it's a lot of um bursts of long hours. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you experience this, which is like yeah. it, it, it they do become these really long hour weeks, but a lot of those hours are condensed into a couple of days. And then the, you know, I'll have a day off. So like I've managed to find time in my life, but it is, yeah, it, it's I hard. force myself to take Sunday off, but yeah. I work 10 to 12 hours every single day. Exactly. Like I'm going to go because on break this, soon. And that means I have to do double the work. I'm not saying that, that like I work at the factory punching holes in she metal 12 hours a day. Woe is me. I want to work that much because the things I work on, I enjoy. Yeah. So like. Uh, yeah, I might work 80 hours this week. 25 of those hours is writing my novel. I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I mean? not even so. counting. Yeah. Like the screenplay yeah. stuff. It, right. it, it's hard because it, I, yeah, we, I'm not saying that. Yeah. What we would do is like the hardest job ever. It's more about like, but it's very time consuming. That's yeah. True. And as you get older and you work, you know, we've been doing quote unquote freelance for About a very long years. time. Yeah. And you learn after a certain point how to pace yourself, which like my biggest concern is new writers. I'm always, because once you realize like, Oh, if I do a 14 hour day, I can knock this out. And then you're like, well, if I do that five every times, day, yeah, every day, I'll be hanging out with Patton Oswalt on a yacht. Exactly. In no time. And yeah. it's like, no, you'll have a nervous breakdown is what will that's happen. Right. That's right. That's, that's, the one. Yep. That's the more likely thing. All right. Rob Cunningham, what is best in life? Uh, pornography. I no. will say being present, Baldur's being Gate. fully aware and like present with no thoughts in your mind. Baldur's um, Gate. No. Well, pornography is around you. I have it. I have it. Mm-hmm. Twizzlers pull and peel candy. Yep. You nailed it. Right on the nose. Final question. We're out. Ryan Thompson says, if you could import any fictional game or sport into real life, which would you most like to watch and then play? Oh, shit. Watch is clearly Blurns Ball to me. Blurns Ball seems fucking awesome. Well, anything, (laughs) I I would say the... the Blitz Ball? Blitz Ball looks cool to me, too. The serious... The serious version is always fucking like uh, Quidditch. That's like Blurns no, Ball, right? No, no, I'm not ass. saying I'm not saying oh. I want Quidditch. I'm saying that oh. Quidditch is Blurns Ball, right? When you watch it, you're like, wait, this is dumb, and it makes no sense, right? Because but the- Blurns Ball at least has like robot umpires and giant, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, hamsters and stuff. One that I would think people would answer, but I when I the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that actually kind of sucks. Is a uh, pod racing. Because, like, you don't really get to watch that live. It's so big that it's mostly on cameras, right? You're in yeah. an audience. But, like, pod racing is cool. Um, I always wonder what Parisi Squares is because they mention it all the time, but yeah. we never see what it is. Um, so I can't say that. But I think I'd say Velocity, Can which you if say, you watch oh, Guinan and Guinan and Worf 
do this, or I think Janeway and Seven also do it. It's just standing on a circular platform in the holodeck, shooting targets with your face. Oh yeah, like I would do that shit. I'd well, I'd go to the holodeck and VR. do police trainer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just do VR shit. I was gonna say, does the holodeck count? I don't think you can just say the holodeck. <laughs> oh, you'll appreciate this. That's true, but they treat Velocity like it's a specific game. Yeah. Then maybe Kalto. I don't know if I could learn like what act actually is. Maybe that one Bashir, because I love being present. I would do that game that Jadzia does with Bashir in an early DS9 where you just clear your mind. And the more you clear your mind, the more this glowing sphere oh, solidifies yeah. and the goal is to get the sphere to be solid. Fuck. That would be cool. It's like biofeedback game. Fuck, what is it called? I should know because I just watched the episode. I would, I would move along home, Michael. Jesus. Yeah. Um, oh, Dabo or not Dab Dabo? What's nah, the Dabo, Dabo. Not Dabo. By the way, the Dabo one where does they... look really fun. I would play Dabo. I would play I the fucking gambling. the one where they acquire and retreat and withdraw. Right, that yeah. shit looks fucking but awesome. I, I, I forget what it's called. I do like that stupid. The problem with that stupid game that the Double. idiot that the, yeah. the edge lord aliens brought is simply right. that people didn't know it was a game, right? Like, like there's such. I would. I if I were. That's why that episode Cisco. actually has no drama. When they go, it's a game. It's all holographic. They go, oh, okay. Right. Like, to which Cisco <laughs> should have put him in a headlock immediately. Been like, you been fucking like, dick. Yeah. yeah. But as a game, that is pretty chill. Like a like LARPing board game. Where, really? Doing fucking hopscotch while you say alamarine? Well, no, no. <laughs> sorry. Man, it looks I'll, boring. I'll correct this. The the basic concept of the game. Kind of like the sure. idea of like you'd get It's that like a game. board game you live. It's Jumanji. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could mod it to actually be interesting, you know? You totally where it's like could. everybody right. has like gets it's escape rooms. It's a series of escape rooms. That's right. That is yeah. a board game that's a board game. So you have two layers. That seems chill. But I think ultimately, honestly, Dabo, because everybody seems to be having so much fucking fun playing Dabo. It's also oh, such a, a funny word. Super it's good. A, in-game game in this game Sea of Stars that I'm playing now with wheels. I'd play wheels. All right. All right. Dang, there was one I really wanted to tell you specifically. It's hard. There's you so many. Oh, no, 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 because you're my LSD friend. I just wanted to tell you, talking about shooting, that I'm doing an all-on-acid playthrough of Resident Evil 4 VR, <laughs> and it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you haven't done a lot of VR, I, it's advanced. I did. Shit, so I did. Um, I'm, I'm speed running it. I'm saying that's the point is I've, I right. love Resident Evil four and on VR, it's like an unparalleled experience. Yeah, oh, I've no, done I it remember. like three, four times now. So I'm just doing it again. I played, <laughs> I played it and it was like, I did, um, mushrooms, um, the horizon call of the mountain thing. Ooh, that yeah, was I haven't a played that. fucking blast. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking Ooh. of having a fucking blast. Where can people find next episode and previous episodes? So of the this next pod? episode, which is Jurassic Bark, by the way. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know. Brace oh, yourself. Oh shit! Uh, and that fucking banger will be over on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/GamefullyUnemployed. G-A-M-E-F-U-L-O-Y Unemployed. Check that out if you want to get the other half of this podcast plus other podcasts. Don't know why I'm talking this way, so I will stop. Great. And uh, no, no, because you're behind the paywall. No. So you're already patronizing us if you're even listening to this. I'm not Abe, the schedule master, so I can't preview what's coming up next like we like to do. So I'll just say thank you politely mm. and back out of the room. Fucking Abe. <laughs>